The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Pilato, joined as always by Chris Flum. And we are here to briefly go over the Arizona Cardinals come from behind win, but this is more so a look ahead. This has been what I've deemed before the podcast, Chris, a very long, short week for us covering the Giants, and I'm sure for the New York Giants who are traveling from Arizona up to San Francisco. Before we get into some news, injuries, things of that nature, how you doing, Chris? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Yesterday was my dad's birthday, so kind of got out, unplugged for a little bit, took him to a, a nice local brewery, had a nice afternoon. But you are right, this has been a very long, short week, because it for some reason, even though it's 1130 on Wednesday, it feels like it should be Saturday. Like somehow, even though we've only we're only what three days into the week, it has managed to drag. But all of a sudden, game day is right on us. Game day is right on us. And the New York Giants, they may be shorthanded, which is unfortunate because the San Francisco 49ers are one of the top teams, not only in the NFC, but in the NFL. Andrew Thomas right now, he's still dealing with his hamstring issue. He is day-to-day. It's unknown whether he's going to play, so we can't really we can speculate, but we just don't know at this point. Saquon Barkley has a sprained ankle. Brian Dable said, hey, you know, I'm not ruling him out. He's a fast healer. I kind of think that's BS. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to claim to be a doctor, Chris, but I would be shocked if Saquon Barkley plays on that short of a week against a team like the San Francisco 49ers. Ben Bredesen is unlikely to play. He is in the concussion protocol. I don't think he's going to pass a protocol. Brian Dable said as much in his press conference um, before practice on Tuesday, walkthrough practice. And then Wandell Robinson and Aziz Ojolari are doubtful. Micah McFadden has a neck injury, and Dable said, don't really worry about that. So, Chris, where do you want to start with this? Because that's a pretty long list, and there is a lot of star power, a lot of gravitas within a lot of those players. Yeah, I I think we kind of have to start with, well, we I think we can group Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen together. Uh, Thomas? I, we don't know what where he is. He didn't play. Uh, last week, he was walking gingerly on that hamstring. And, you know, the thing we're, we've kind of been consistent about throughout all of our shows, whenever a player has a hamstring injury, is hamstrings are tricky. And even when you feel better, you might not be better because as soon as you start to either stretch or load that muscle, it will inform you that it is not, in fact, better. And then you've got Ben Bredesen with the concussion. So the Giants very might well 
go into this game against the San Francisco 49ers with the same makeshift offensive line that they finished the game against the Cardinals with, with Josh Izudu at left tackle, uh, Mark Lewinsky at left guard, John Michael Schmitz at center, Marcus McKethan at right guard, and then Evan Neal at right tackle. Now, maybe we'll see Matt Parrott get dropped in, in uh, at left tackle. I don't know. But you know, th- that has to be something we should at least be aware of, the possibility of that going against this 49ers defense. And then you've got Saquon Barkley. I- I'm with you. I think I'm not going to say it's BS by Brian Dayball. I'll say it's brinksmanship. It's just the coach trying to uh, gain every bit of competitive advantage that he can by forcing the other team to consider the possibility that his most explosive player will actually be out on the field. Um, I I think it's kind of like uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's 10 year long shoulder injury. (laughs) Yeah. I should have used brinksmanship, but BS is what came to mind. But that's what I was alluding to as well. It's it's just him saying that to be like, hey, he might play. You better watch out. And then the Giants yeah. are going to roll Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell, and Eric Gray out there. And I think that running back rotation or how the Giants even use the running backs is interesting in and of itself. But Chris, let's transition a little bit away from the injuries and just discuss briefly the Cardinals' comeback, man. Giants went down 21 nothing. I was at the stadium. Chris, like the air was sucked out of the Giants fans section when Josh Dobbs was throwing the football all over the place and James Conner was hitting GH counter and GT counter against the Giants front that was supposedly upgraded, but the New York Giants still couldn't fit the counter. But man, Daniel Jones put the team on his back in the second half and he led that comeback along with Saquon Barkley, who had a bunch of huge plays. I just wanted to get your your thoughts on it because we didn't do our our live recap because I was at that game. Yeah, the, it, this was a historic comeback. I believe the 31-point comeback is the biggest in Giants history, at least the biggest in the Super Bowl era, which you know, that stretches back long enough. I I got to say I was impressed with how the Giants pass protection held up particularly in the second half. You know, because the Giants went from the first half, they were trying to play their West Coast quick game. What they did in the second half of the 2022 season that carried them to the playoffs. But one thing we noted with the Cowboys, and again in this game, the opposing defenses were ready for that. They were The Giants are, I believe, tied for sixth right now in the NFL in seeing middle of the field closed coverages. They are Teams just are not playing cover two and cover four against the Giants. They're just having one safety back deep and then eight guys closer to the line of scrimmage. Eight, maybe not in the box, but with a strong safety up in the linebacker area. And they're just playing downhill against that short, quick game. And the Giants took advantage of that. They, I don't know who, who noticed it. Uh, I'm going to give credit to Mike Kafka just because he's the eye in the sky in the press box. But maybe it was a joint a joint decision at halftime. But the Giants came out throwing it. They got very aggressive. They also used a lot more, well, maybe not a lot more misdirection, but they leaned very heavily on play action. By the end of the game, 70% of Daniel Jones's passing yards came from came off of play action. And he averaged over 12 yards per attempt 
off of play action compared to five yards per attempt when he wasn't on play using play action. And the Cardinals were just not ready for the Giants to throw the ball down the field, to trust their pass protection, to trust that mesh point to slow down the opposing defense, and then suck up the entire opposing defense and create tons of room down the field. It was a pretty radical shift in philosophy for a halftime adjustment. And the other part of that is the Cardinals are, we saw their limitations as a team in the second half. They have to play aggressive. They have to swarm to the ball because they just don't have the talent on defense. And the Giants really took advantage of that. The safeties were biting down aggressively on Darren Waller. Every time Darren Waller would go on a crossing route, the safeties would just bite, bite, bite. And the Giants realized that because play action, big shot to Jalen Hyatt, first play of the second half. They took advantage of it. And then if you watch the rest of the game, those safeties weren't as aggressive against Darren Waller. They weren't biting down as hard. And there were plenty of times where Jalen Hyatt was acting as a clear out and he took both safeties deep when they were in cover four, when they were in quarters, which opened up one-on-one -on -one situations to the backside for Darius Slayton. The personnel package that excited me was 12 personnel. They usually used it, the Giants, with two tight ends on the same side. We call that a double Y set. And then Darius Slayton would start on that side and then motion to a stack while moving, like Mike McDaniel uses Tyreek Hill, behind Jalen Hyatt. And now you have true speed on one side of the field with a run strength to the other side of the field. And it seemed to put the defense into a position where they didn't exactly know how to handle it because they have to respect the run strength of the double Y set, but they're also bringing a player away from the double Y set to follow Darius Slayton and the clear out off of Jalen Hyatt removed both deep defenders. So that's Slayton now with one defender on that side of the field running. So he has his, uh, he's in motion. He's not set. He's not stable. And the Giants did a really good job running curl routes off of that, running comebacks off of that. And that was one package that I saw in the second half that I really appreciated. I just think the Giants came out and, and they had, they had some wrinkles up their sleeve, you know, or they had some wrinkly sleeves or however the hell you want to term it, Chris, they, they had answers for the way the Cardinals were playing them, and that's what good coaching does. That's what good players do. They did not execute in the first half. They had opportunities in the first half, though, too. They did, but they just were not executing. And that's what Brian Dable said, and Brian Dable was right. You go through the film, Jalen Hyatt, there could have been a huge touchdown on Jalen Hyatt against cover two defense when they employed cover two. I think it was on a third down. But Daniel Jones just didn't see it, and Daniel Jones was also kind of evaded the pocket a little bit early. The Cardinals ran a twist. Azudu actually picked it up really well. And we could talk a little bit when we preview the San Francisco game about what we believe the offensive line will be and how this offensive line played. I'll just briefly say it now. The offensive line played pretty damn well. I was impressed with Marcus McKethan in his first start. I think Joshua Zudu switching over to left tackle and actually looking respectable and admirable. That's something that we should be discussing. And the overall offensive line, when you, when you consider it, you have a rookie center. Ben Bredesen left with an injury. You had Marcus McCathan starting, who's essentially a rookie. You have Joshua Zudu kicking over to the left tackle. There's a lot of parts there that would suggest that the Giants would, would flounder in that situation, that they wouldn't have success, even though they're going up against Arizona on the road. But they were able to win and hold up despite the fact that they went down 21 nothing. So there's something there. There's something there to read into. Yeah, it definitely is. Now, I think the big question and I, the way we can kind of segue over to the 49ers is can the Giants carry that with them, carry the momentum forward 
and continue to execute against a much better team because, you know, we talk about the injuries that's going to, well, that could loom large against a much more talented defensive front, uh, a much faster defensive front than what Arizona has. Like Arizona doesn't have a Fred Warner in the middle of their field being the best coverage linebacker. It kind of sense Brian Erlacher, really. So it, it was a great win for the Giants. But with all the injuries and all that, and also with Saquon Barkley, you know, it could have been a very costly win for them as well. And that's one of the things I think we have to talk about and have to at least keep an eye on for Thursday night. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're going to do just that here in a little bit. Here's our ads. All righty, Chris. You, you discussed just a couple seconds ago before the ads, a couple minutes ago, whatever, that the Giants need to find a way to move the football and carry over what they did in the second half against the Arizona Cardinals against this much more formidable, much faster, much quicker San Francisco 49ers defense. And you're correct. The San Francisco 49ers defense scares me. But it doesn't scare me as much as the San Francisco 49ers offense and their rushing attack right now. Because as bad and as injured as the Giants offensive line looks and as injured as they are in the backfield with Saquon Barkley, I think I'm still more worried about what the heck is going on on defense with Wink Martindale and the Giants defensive structure and their inability to fit the run, specifically the counter run. We saw GH counter. All throughout the game, that means a backside guard and the H-back pull. Counter means double pullers. There's two pullers on the play for the offense. Josh Dobbs and Drew Petsnig, they were running that all game. And then in the second half, they went to GT counter and sprang a 22-yard run. It's just the Giants weren't aware of where they had to be. That's going to be an issue going up against a team with Christian McCaffrey. But if we're going to focus on the defense... If the Giants are going to the San Francisco 49ers defense, that is, if the Giants are going to have success, it's going to be difficult. But Matt Stafford was kind of slinging it against them. Matt Stafford, I think the Rams scored on their first three possessions. And if it wasn't for two interceptions late, they could have won that game. And one of the interceptions like hit Van Jefferson in the helmet and popped into the air. It wasn't Matt Stafford's fault. Sean McVay and the Rams were able to carve up the cover three defense the quarters looks of the San Francisco 49ers just by using quick game. And that's 
similar to what Josh Dobbs did against the New York Giants in this game on uh, on on Sunday. It was just a lot of simple concepts, man. It was stick, it was slant flat, and then it was cover three beaters with the cover three shot with that tight end out and up. So what are your thoughts on how the Giants on offense can have success against this really fast and talented defense? Yeah, I, I think if... It's going to be an interesting chess match because like you said, Matt Stafford, the Rams, they played better than I think anyone was really expecting against this 49ers defense. Now, I think it's been, it's been a while since we've seen Matt Stafford healthy. So he is a better quarterback than he gets credit for, particularly in the Sean McVay offense. Also, I think a lot of people were sleeping on Puka Nakua, the uh, rookie out of BYU. He's a guy I during the draft process, I wanted to profile him because I I watched him in BYU, the tape I watched that involved BYU, but I just kind of ran out of time. He is a very impressive young man, and he and Cooper Cup are going to be very dangerous together once they finally get Cooper Cup back. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Amon Ross St. Brown, just as a player with his quickness and very precise route running. And I think that's something the Giants can look to do. Uh, we could see this game plan heavily involve Sterling Shepard because he does have that quickness, that precision route running, the the advanced football IQ as a longstanding veteran who has really made his hay with his route running and great hands being very dependable when being supposed being where he's supposed to be when he is supposed to be there and all that is essential to quick game Sterling Shepard and Isaiah Hodgins could be the two big players in this game for the Giants yeah I I'm not sure how much Hyatt and Darius Slayton will figure into the game plan. I'm sure the Giants will use them. We'll use them more as clear routes because, you know, Darius Slayton is not a particularly precise route runner. And Jalen Hyatt is, he is a rookie in his third game coming from a pretty simplistic offense. He is a, as we have maintained, a much better route runner than he got credit for because of the Tennessee offense. But he still has work to do. Just, learning and familiarizing himself with a more expansive route tree. Yeah, I think the Giants are kind of going to have to rely on that quick game because I'm not sure how effective a heavy play-action, run-based offense will be without Saquon Barkley there. And again, with this San Francisco front seven, where I don't know that they'll have to devote eight players to coming down and stopping the run. And also I'm just going to put this out there. Daniel Jones is going to be the giants leading rusher in this game, whether through yes. uh, read options, quarterback scrambles, design quarterback runs, maybe some packaged plays. It, Jones is going to be carrying the ball a lot. And I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised at all if he is by far the giants leading rusher. Yeah, I think the Giants are going to have to get him out on the move, use the bootleg. He was the most bootlegged quarterback last season for a reason. It's because he's athletic, and it's because the Giants' offensive line isn't that good. And when you don't have a great offensive line, you don't want your quarterback standing back there doing five-step drops and scanning the field. He's going to get killed, especially against a team like the 
San Francisco 49ers, man. It's going to be an interesting game. I'm, I'm hoping that it's not a repeat of week one. That's not necessarily what I'm anticipating, even though logic could bring you to that with the losses that the Giants have suffered. I'll say this, though, flipping it to the other side of the football. Worried about Christian McCaffrey. I'm worried about George Kittle. I don't know if Brendan Ayuk will play. He's dealing with some shoulder issue. But even if he doesn't, I'm still worried about what Kyle Shanahan can do to Wink Martindale from running the football, just by rushing the football, that kind of standpoint. Because if you watch what the Arizona Cardinals did, where one of their best offensive linemen, not named Paris Johnson, is <laughs> Will Hernandez. Like They were running the football down the Giants' throat. The Giants are having a lot of trouble, a lot of miscommunications in coverage and in run fits. Kayvon Thibodeau to me in, in um, week two, he seemed a little indecisive, a little out of it. I'm, I'm not 100% certain. I've stuck up for him several different times. And I'll continue to stick up for him because I know his – his role is, isn't just to rush the passer. He's playing Sam. So he's dropping in the coverage. He's dropping in the coverage like nine times. But he did seem off. And I'm going to call it like it is, according to the film. He just seemed off. There were there was a play, the, the first GT counter, guard tackle counter, that the Cardinals ran. He had Jason Pinnock to his outside, blitzing with him. And he didn't attack James Conner at the mesh point, which should be his job. There's no reason for him to be containing Josh Dobbs in that situation when Pinnock is going to be uncontained and he's right next to you. And then there was another play where he twisted to the inside and he seemed a little hesitant going right at Josh Dobbs. Maybe he thought Dobbs was going to throw the football. I'm not 100% sure. I also saw him get put down on the ground like two or three times near the end of plays. It was just an odd look, something I haven't seen from Kayvon Thibodeau, despite the fact that those were rumors about him. I didn't necessarily see that at Oregon. So I just kind of wanted to acknowledge that. But yeah, no, this... um. This Christian McCaffrey-led rushing attack, this 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 team is first in overall offensive EPA, first in rushing EPA, second in passing EPA. They're very efficient, and the Giants have been wildly inefficient on defense. They don't have a sack yet, Chris. They don't have a freaking turnover, no interceptions. They are a team right now who I feel like is just scrambling around trying to figure out what the heck to do. And if it wasn't for an O'Shane Zimenez edge set that bounced James Conner away from one of the GH counter runs in the fourth quarter, I think it was, or maybe it was late in the third, the Giants might have lost that game because despite the fact that Daniel Jones was leading these co that comeback, the defense was still sucking <laughs> until that play that put Josh Dobbs into a second and long where Adoree Jackson stepped up, had a PBU, and then they took a shot against Trey Hawkins, who was in great coverage and almost came away with an interception on that play. So I'm a little bit I'm worried. I'm worried about the defense. I'm worried about Christian McCaffrey. I'm worried about Debo Samuel. And I'm worried about what Kyle Shanahan's going to do to Wink Martindale. Yeah, that I think that is. Those are all valid concerns. You know, I'm, uh, I I want to go back through the first two weeks of tape and this tape as well, and really focus in on Kayvon Thibodeau and the Giants' pass rush because weirdly, it, it it's it feels like the sacks are going to start coming. For the Giants, I don't know if they're going to start coming this week because Brock Purdy gets the ball gets the ball out fast, and yeah, he is he is very good at executing Kyle Shanahan's offensive scheme. Yeah, he's getting the ball out at on average in two point six six seconds, which is one of the fastest in the NFL. If if that's not top ten, it's very close to top ten. Uh, just this past week against the Los Angeles Rams. He was fourth 
in the NFL in time to throw and got the ball out in 2.41 seconds. If the Giants aren't getting very quick pressure, they're not going to be able to disrupt him. But, and this is where the weird part comes in, according to ESPN, the Giants are fifth in pass rush win rate. And I'm not quite sure how to reconcile that with the fact that they're getting, they they are, they might be the only team that doesn't have a sack right now in the NFL. Yeah, they, the Giants are the only team without a sack, but they're fifth in pass rush, pass rush win rate. So I feel like that's going to be coming, but... To, to build on that point, Chris, yeah. for one second, if you look at the game scripts for both of these games, the Giants haven't really, the Giants defense haven't, and, and it was also in week one, a little bit, the special teams and the offense turning the football over. So I want to give Wink Martindale a little bit of a reprieve there, but they haven't forced a lot of third and long situations to where they could just pin their ears back and, and run after the passer. Like that hasn't happened all that much because they fell down 21, nothing in this game and they fell down huge 40 nothing at the end of the game against the Dallas Cowboys where the teams can just kind of run the football or just operate quick game where the ball is out of the quarterback's hands in like two seconds at most two 2.5 seconds so the Giants haven't really had that opportunity to really hone in on what Wink Martindale does best and that's crowd the line of scrimmage and bring the pressure and that wasn't even his game plan necessarily when those opportunities were there against Arizona it was much more drop seven they didn't really drop eight too much there were a couple cover zero looks where they dropped Dexter Lawrence and Raheem Nunez Rochez off underneath underneath receivers who the Giants anticipated breaking inside that was against an empty formation so we haven't seen the pressure breaks pipes with that philosophy quite yet. But in terms of the pass rush win rate, I'm guessing maybe according to however they calculate that other than Dexter Lawrence, who's winning a lot, especially when it's one-on-one, -on -one, he's still Dexter Lawrence doing Dexter Lawrence things. The other players are winning, but it's just the football's out of the quarterback's hands so damn quick that it doesn't matter. It's negated. And I think that really is what has happened so far because right now the Giants are third in blitz rate because the Patriots and Vikings are blitzing out of their minds right now. But the Giants are actually blitzing more often through two weeks than they were last year. They're blitzing 42.1% per pro football reference. And last year it was 39 point something. But, oh, and I should, the Giants are currently fourth in quarterback knockdowns and second in quarterback knockdown rate. But they have that no sacks and they're, see 32 uh 29th i do some quick counting in hurry rate and i believe tied for last in the league for the number of hurries so the giants are getting pressure they are beating their blockers they're just not getting to the quarterback in time to get him on the ground they're hitting him after he throws the ball and I think part of that is, especially with Aziz Ojolari out, the Giants don't have a ton of speed in their front seven. Kayvon Thibodeau's pretty quick, but he's kind of the only one right now. And also you have, like you talked about, the quarterbacks getting the ball out very, very fast. So that's why I feel like the, the sacks will come. 
but they just might not come this week because Brock <laughs> Purdy gets the ball out really fast. <laughs> yeah, he's very he's a very rhythmic thrower. There's a reason why Kyle Shanahan was like, yeah, I get it. We traded up to the third overall pick to get Trey Lance, but this guy that we selected at Mr. Irrelevant, we're, we're, we're going to roll with this guy. There, there's a reason for it, and it's because he really plays well within the confines of Kyle Shanahan's perfectly crafted system. But Chris, do you have anything else on this game? The Giants going up to San Francisco, Santa Clara to play this, this team that is um, pretty scary. Yeah. I, I think there are a lot of people looking past this game and I absolutely get it. I think, I don't think I should say this game is going to be the bloodbath that it looks like it could be on paper. I kind of do expect the Giants to come out and be aggressive through the air, both to cover up the fact that Saquon Barkley isn't going to be there, or at least probably won't be there. Maybe maybe Brian Dable wasn't BSing everybody. Maybe Saquon is healing up really fast. Uh, I'm not there. I don't know. But assuming Saquon isn't there, I do kind of expect the Giants to be aggressive, use quick game as the foundation of their offense, but take those shots downfield to keep the 49ers defense as honest as possible and maybe make them pay if they disrespect the passing game or rather don't respect the passing game. So I I think the Giants could catch the 49ers by surprise and put up some points. So I, I, I'm not expecting a win here, but I'm not expecting a demoralizing loss either. I think that's fair, too, because a lot of, like I said before, logic would point us to say this could be a bloodbath like it was in week one. I don't anticipate it to go exactly like that. I don't think the Giants will win this football game. But again, I think a lot of it comes down on the defense. I'm worried about the offense, worried about the protection, but to me, it comes down on the defense. If the defense can't figure themselves out, it could be a bloodbath. But the Giants hopefully will be putting points on the board so it doesn't look as lopsided as it did in week one against the Dallas Cowboys. But like I said, and I know Sean McVay understands Kyle Shanahan and they play each other a lot and they're good friends. The Rams were moving the football against that defense. The Rams have Matt Stafford understood, but a lot of it was just quick game outside the numbers type of throws. Now we just need Daniel Jones and the Giants to maybe target that when they're in quarters, when they get those off leverage and use the right route concepts. I expect Darren Waller to be heavily involved. Jalen Hyatt, his speed, they're gotta leverage that. And maybe we get that first prime time catch slash touchdown for Jalen Hyatt. But Chris, anything else? Nope. I think that about covers it. You know, weirdly, I am looking forward to this game because, you know, we don't get a chance to really sit down and watch the 49ers all that often. And I, I think on a short week with these two very good coaching staffs, the, just the, as a lover of the game of football, the X's and O's and the chess match could be absolutely fascinating to watch. I feel like we're going to learn some things. We're going to learn some things about the giants and we're just going to learn things about football. Like we could get taken to school in this game. And I want to go to school, man, because Kyle Shanahan is absolutely brilliant. And we're going to learn about the giants young offensive line and see how they hold up against some, some of the best defensive players in the league but thank you everyone for tuning in to the chris and nick show here on big blue view radio please if you have not done so already like and subscribe to the podcast comment and head on over to bigblueview.com where you can check out all of our written content thank you everyone let's go giants take care of each other 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.